Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of January 22, 2017. Believe it or not, it's time to pay 2017 dues to ACB, its state and special interest affiliates. The Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana is a chapter of both the Kentucky Council of the Blind and Guide Dog Users, Inc., a special interest group within ACB. The chapter reminds you that dues are $15 a year and membership is open not only to current Guide Dog Users, but to those who have had Guide Dogs in the past, as well as to individuals interested in Guide Dogs. Blind, visually impaired, and sighted members are welcome. GDUI chapters must submit dues and membership lists by February 15 each year in order to be able to vote at the Summer National GDUI Convention. If you have not already paid your 2017 GDUKI dues, please do so by February 10 so that we can get our chapter information in on time this year. Dues can be paid by credit card by calling the Kentucky Council of the Blind Office at 502-895-4598. Are you subscribed to the KCB News or GLCB email lists from the Kentucky Council of the Blind? Have you been experiencing problems with email lately from those lists? This past week, we had a number of calls telling us that their list mail was not coming through as expected. This was especially true of the GLCB list, which carries KCB chapter events happening in the Louisville area each week. Please know that we are working on this problem and hope to have it resolved soon. Thanks so much for notifying us about these problems. We often do not know that you are not receiving your email unless you give us a call. The ACB mid-year meetings are fast approaching. This year, the ACB board is meeting on Saturday, February 25. The 2017 Affiliate President's Meeting is on Sunday, February 26. The ACB Legislative Seminar on Monday, February 27. And the visit to Capitol Hill on Tuesday, February 28. Intense training for audio describers is also being offered by the ACB Audio Description Project. The Crown Plaza in Alexandria, Virginia is home to all of these events. For more information about hotel rates, registration fees, registration deadlines, and programming, contact the ACB National Office at 202-467-5081 or 800-424-8666. From time to time, we try to highlight various jobs and types of employment that are touching the lives of blind and visually impaired people today. To a greater and greater extent, 
Technology and computer skills are playing a major role in these positions, but some basic skills unrelated to technology are still important to the overall success of the worker. On page two, we chat with Cecil Cox, a former blind vendor who, in one short year, has not only learned to use a computer efficiently, but has won awards for his outstanding performance on his new job at the United States Census Bureau in Clarksville, Indiana. There's a new special interest organization forming in Kentucky, especially for people who are visually impaired but who still have some useful vision. The group already has two monthly recurring events scheduled, both designed to reach out to the visually impaired community with information and support. Patty Cox is leading this organizational effort, and she is our guest on page three. Milton Metz was an icon in the Louisville area and across the country. He was a radio personality on WHAS Radio, our 50,000-watt radio station, at 8.40 on the dial. His nightly talk show ran for many years and was heard in at least 36 states. Milton Metz was also on WHAS-TV, Channel 11, each night, bringing us the weather and making sure we knew the temperature in Caribou, Maine. Milton Metz was a popular talking book narrator, working at the American Printing House for the Blind. He read books for children and adults, as well as magazines, and always made you feel as if you were right there, in the story, meeting the characters face to face. Milton Metz spoke at a KCB convention banquet in the 1990s. I sure wish we had a recording of that banquet. Milton Metz passed away on Thursday, January 12, and Adam Rushville has prepared a montage of comments and sound bites about Milton, most of which were aired on WHAS radio on the morning of Friday, January 13. A note of explanation about the montage. There are several references to the Crusade for Children, and Adam has included some snippets from the 42nd Crusade from June 5, 1995. The Crusade for Children is an annual event in Louisville that raises millions of dollars each year for agencies that serve children with disabilities. The Crusade was begun in the early 1950s by the Bingham family who owned WHAS Radio and TV and the Louisville Courier-Journal at that time. Originally, the Crusade was a telethon, aired on WHAS-TV and radio. It began at 10 p.m. on Saturday night and ran continuously to Sunday afternoon. Jim Walton, another talking book narrator from the past and radio and TV personality on WHAS, was one of the first hosts of Crusade for Children for many years. The first Crusades were held at Memorial Auditorium in downtown Louisville, and I and many other children from the Kentucky School for the Blind performed in them. I recall reading and writing Braille as a second grader, demonstrating the use of tactile maps in the fifth grade, and playing a saxophone solo and participating in a tap dance routine in the sixth grade. The good work of many community agencies and schools was highlighted by the Crusade. Over the years, much valuable research and many medical services have also been funded throughout Kentucky and southern Indiana with crusade dollars. 
The crusade, with the support of churches, businesses, volunteer fire departments, and individuals, quickly expanded to more than 24 hours of broadcasting, and many traditions grew up around the event. Personalities like Milton Metz would stand long hours welcoming and thanking representatives from local churches and businesses, volunteer firefighters, and individual families with small children to the stage and helping them drop their contributions, both large and small, into the waiting fish bowls. The 1995 Crusade, which is featured here, opened at the Kentucky Center for the Arts, and several of us from the Kentucky Council of the Blind attended the Tammy Wynette concert that night. Our memories of Milton are on page 4, and on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2 I'm speaking with Cecil Cox, who is an employee of the um, Census Bureau over in southern Indiana. Cecil has been on the Kentucky Council of the Blind and the KSB alumni boards at various times during the past. And most people know Cecil from the alumni as running the um, a snack area and keeping us all filled up with potato chips and, and all kinds of good things to eat. Cecil, you've also been a vendor in the past, but but now you're working with computers at the Census Bureau. So welcome to Sound Prince and uh, hope we can chat about your job and what it requires. Thank you for having me. Cecil, being a um, being a, a worker at the Census Bureau is really, really different from what you had done for years as a vendor. So tell us about what is required to work at the Census Bureau and, and what kind of skills people need for the job that you do. The skill that I need for my job is, you know, JAWS skills for the screen reader, um, Braille skills to read my Braille display, to, you know, I, ser I use both, and I especially use the Braille as a backup to the speech, mm -hmm. especially like when I'm looking at a person's address or telephone number or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have, you know, what I would consider basic computer skills, which is my higher level right now. <laughs> because <laughs> I, a year ago, I didn't know anything about a computer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was forced to get computer training because I got tired of asking people, can you do this or can you do that? And if they didn't have time, or it wasn't, you know, well, I'll get to it when I can, or I don't have time right now. And it, it just got frustrating for me. So I just went back to the McDowell Center and took some training. And, you know, I started training in December of 2015 mm -hmm. and <clears throat> wrapped up my training in June of 2016. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, got my job at the Census Bureau and started training in April, mid-April, and started doing... Um, that was a two-week training there, and then when I went out onto the floor, I was for about a week and a half, I was with a fellow blind person that used JAWS as well and um, listened to them and had just all kind of questions, and they answered them. And then I went live, which means you're making phone calls on May 11th of last year. Okay, so your job at the... Census Bureau, uh, unlike what people would think of as a customer service job where somebody is calling in and asking asking for information or needing help, you call people? Yes. We mail out, the Census Bureau mails out a 250,000 surveys a month of the survey that we do, and 
in December, and in January we will call the folks back that we haven't got a response from yet, either the paper form or they call in and do it over the phone or they can do it online. So, and those are the people that we call. Okay, so I think the general the general perception is that the Census Bureau takes a census every 10 years. And uh, they, they've done that ever since 1790 uh, in the United States. And that census basically is to count the people in the country. And as the years have gone by, beginning with the 1850 census, the census started including names of people in the household and, the, um, and, and sometimes their ages. And the, the, the more you get uh, up to, you know, the closer you get to now, to today, the more information has been included in the census. And so that's the, I think that's the general perception of the census. But you are, you are doing surveys now in the, in the in-between times. So tell us what those types of things are. Well, the survey that the blind folks are working on right now is called the American Community Survey. And that's a survey to collect information on people and housing in that person's area. So, for example, you may get a survey at your house, and no, none of your neighbors, none of your friends may ever see it because we only see one because we only send out. It's an address-based survey. We mail it to an address, not an individual. Okay. And so you may be the only one in your community to get one because, like I said, we only mail out 250000 a month. Okay, across, so it's random? Are they yeah. chosen at random? Yeah, we, we get the addresses from the master address file from the United States Post Office. That's, you know, a vendor gets those from the post office, and that's where we get our, our addresses, addresses from. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, you send out 250000 a month, mm -hmm. so that would, that would be about $2.5 million a year. Um, $3 million a year, yes. Okay, all right. And so... So you, you you mail those out. Now, um, I, I guess that there's um, a, a process by which you make sure that, for example, I don't get picked randomly twice. You could. You could get one oh. this year. You could get one next year. Oh. It, it's, just a, it's just a random thing. It's, it's just like the lottery. Whatever ball pops up, pops up. Oh, okay. All right. But, so know. the survey goes out, and then if I don't answer that survey, somebody's going to call me. Correct. Okay, and and here at the uh, over in southern Indiana at the Census Bureau, there are a number of blind and visually impaired people who are now working there doing this survey. And are there also groups of people, whether they be blind or sighted, um, working in other areas of the country on this survey? Um, Jeffersonville is the only place that has blind and visually impaired people. Hagerstown, Maryland does not. And I know Tucson, Arizona, recently, within the last few months, hired a visually impaired person. Okay. But Jeffersonville is the one, the, there's three centers. And Jeffersonville is the one with the visually impaired folks working there. Okay. And are there also sighted people in Jeffersonville working on this survey? Yes. Okay. Yes. Over, over, I, I did not realize this, but you said earlier that, the, you know, the, survey we do every 10 years mm -hmm. is the decennial census and when i heard census that's all i knew of right but you know, th this survey is a follow-up of that because after two years everything's pretty obsolete after you know the 2012 people are moving oh yeah you aren't kidding <laughs> and so this survey helps keep our records as accurate as they can mm -hmm. and um 
There's 33 surveys we do over there. I did not realize that. You know, there's point of purchase surveys. There's hunting and fishing survey. There's a victim of violence crimes survey that we do. The blind folks just started training on a community population survey. Mm-hmm. So we're getting trained to work a second survey. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you can work additional surveys, then that means you would have more work. Correct. Mm-hmm. It would increase your number of hours, maybe. Yes. And the, the American Community Survey is how your tax dollars are distributed that comes back to your community through your congressmen and representatives. And it lets them know where they need to build schools, hospitals, roads. It's where large companies can find workforce. Oh, okay. So the purpose of that then is to to um, give input as to uh, as to to what is needed to uh, build maybe infrastructure that kinds of things. Sure. Okay. All right. So um, so you then on a typical day would go in, sit down at the computer, um, fire up the computer. I guess you've got um, I guess you've got a screen with your questions on it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have a screen that has the number that's being called or the, you know, connects you to the, to the individual. So what happens? The, here's the screen with the questions, and you've got to have a way to enter, ask the questions and enter the responses. Um, so is it basically just a couple, of, a couple of screens that you're working on at a time, or do you have more open? Um, at, the, at the beginning, you just... You work basically in two screens. One's called the soft phone, and one's called WebCaddy, which is um, CADI stands for CATI, Computer Assisted Telephone Interview. Okay. And that's what we're doing. And so we go put our phone number in. It's it's all set in there for us. We just got to copy it and paste it and put it in. And mm-hmm. we used to manually dial the phone number. Mm-hmm. And now we just, once we get our phone number pasted in there, we just hit enter, and then we, you know, go over that's in soft phone or CTI. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we go over to WebCaddy and, you know, list the links to start interview. Mm-hmm. And if the person answers, you know, we have to use our um, JAWS cursor because that opens up the instrument, which is the survey itself. Okay. And then you'll go to the top and always come down and introduce ourselves and who we're with and, you know, have I reached the lady or gentleman of the house? Or it may have a specific name in there. You know, can I speak with Carla? Uh-huh. And if it doesn't have a name in there, we always ask for the lady or gentleman of the house. And if they do that, they have to verify their address. And if their address, say, if your address is next door, and, you know, you say you live at 5,000 and I've got 5002, the addresses don't match exactly, so therefore your household's not eligible for the survey. The address has to match exactly. Oh. And um, so if the ver- address is verified, then we can go on into the survey, and you'll have to get their permission to record the interview or not. And the information you give me as far as your name and your birth date and things of that nature, that's all, I can't think of the word, privacy. That's covered by Title 13 of the United States Code, sections um, you know, 141, 193, and 221. Mm-hmm. Which they, they may see your housing information, your property taxes, your uh, mortgage a month, but they won't see your name or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. And they take all the, all the information that is collected over the month, they turn that into statistics, 
statistics, and that's how the tax dollars are distributed. Okay. All right. So when when you call someone, do you get a lot of people that hang up on you? I, you get all kind of stuff. I mean, you get <laughs> people hanging up on you. I had a um, guy told me to you know, kiss his backside, but he wasn't as polite when he said that the other day. I've had a co-worker, had a co-worker, some guy told her he was going to come shoot her if she called him again. <laughs> oh, dear. He did everything. It's just a random thing. I yeah. mean, you hear all kinds of stuff. And once you get into the survey, it's um, one of my things is I, I just I want to know what I'm dealing with before I kind of get into it. So the survey for me right now is very easily. I have a boatload of the survey memorized. So I rarely use my jaws to listen to the question, but I will constantly arrow down just to hear a, a couple of words. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, is this person deaf or do they say, okay, I know where I'm at. The next, you know, five or six questions are going to be dealing with difficulty maybe they have with ordinary daily activities. And some of the categories that are covered in the surveys like uh, citizenship, education, occupation, income, marital status, and things of that nature is what's covered in the survey, Okay. along with housing questions as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're collecting quite a bit of information that can then be um, pooled and, and used for various things. Those education questions um, would have a lot of implications for different types of, of programs or schools or whatever in an area. Um, and, and, and I mean, there, there would be a lot of applications for all of those categories. So, sure. yeah, I can see how that would be. And okay, like- so so you there there's a number of blind and visually impaired people um, working there and, and also others um, that this Census Bureau installation has been here for a long, long time. And um, so I, uh, I'm sure that they have measures of how, of how much they expect to be done or how much they expect that employee to, to do in a month or what would be an average. I'm sure that an air at a company or a government office that deals in all these numbers has these kind of statistics that they want to keep on and measures that they want to keep on their employees. So give us an idea of how that happens and then tell us about about how you've been doing on that too, if you don't mind. Well, see, it's our supervisor every month. Like, we haven't gotten them yet because we've really been uh, trying to work on this new survey and you know, she's really been busy with that, but our one-on-ones, that's when our supervisor meets with us every month for the previous month. Mm-hmm. And she'll say, here's our company average, which is the facility average. Here is your average. And our supervisor, 99% of the time, will break down the blind person average. Mm-hmm. But companies don't have to do that. No. Our and some people would say, oh, we don't like that to happen. But... Um, give us an idea of how this of how that works too. All right, let's say the company averages point four surveys per hour. Okay. Okay, so that's, that means each hour a person is working, they're getting forty percent of the survey completed. All right. For example, the blind person average may be point two eight surveys per hour. And they want the blind folks to be eighty percent of what the facility average is. 
and you will have um, some, like my first month was a .16, which is to be expected. And my supervisor told me, don't worry about it. It's going to get better, and that's okay. And the highest I've ever had was a .56 surveys per hour. Oh, my. And that was, that was when the company, the facility averages .42 surveys per hour. So, you know, as myself, I was producing 133% of what the company was producing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and why, for the readers, uh, for the listeners' benefit, why would their average for a blind person be less than the average for the sighted employee? Just due to the length of time it takes us to listen to the jaws and, you know, the sighted person can click the mouse all day long. Mm-hmm. But like when we answer our questions, like yes or no, we manually put them in the, you know, one for yes, two for no, or if you give us a, you know, an answer requires a typed-in response, we type that in and, and everything. But it just takes a blind person longer to get the job done just due to the speech itself. And to make sure that you're at the right space the right for typing. The, uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Yeah. I can I can see that 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 audio feedback is certainly not as quick as a person just looking at a screen, so that that would make that would make sense. So okay, so you had a month where you were at a point five six as opposed to a four a point four two. That's a that's a pretty impressive difference. Yeah. Um, this last fall, you you received a couple of awards. So tell us about that. Um, in December, I've got um, one of the awards I received was Consumer of the Year through the Office for the Blind, and um, I wasn't expecting it. But you know, it, it's I'm the type of guy that I don't really need awards to n- know what I've accomplished, but it is nice to get them. So it was when you know I got my award. My supervisor from the Census Bureau came over to the award ceremony that the Office for the Blind had. Mm-hmm. And um, in October, I had a tremendous month. That was the month I was .56. And um, I had another great month in November as well. It was .46, but the company average was .41. I was still above the company average, but it just wasn't as the facility average. The numbers were down that month all the way across the board. Okay. But... Um, and I didn't realize this until I got my award that in oh, in October of the, about 350 people that work in the Jeffersonville call center, I finished third out of 350 people, and that was those 12 blind folks and all the others are sighted. Okay. And then my supervisor announced at the Office for the Blind Awards meeting that for the month of November, there's about 1,000 people in the three call centers we have. I finished tied for fifth out of about a thousand people, and that's sighted, blind, and everybody. So I mean, that, that's that's I've always said, you give me a fair race, and I'll run. And with the jaws and the braille, I feel like I've got a fair race. And you give, you know, I'm of the attitude, you give a blind person a chance, and they can produce. Right. That's right. And another award that I just got earlier. I received earlier this month was uh, January. I was one of the two blind people that got um, employee of the month for the month of January over in uh, Jeffersonville. And um, 
as far as I know, we're the there's been one other sided person, Melissa Saylor, received Employee of the Month a year ago, several months ago. I don't recall exactly how much, but uh, myself and Tanya Gatton got Employees of the Month for the month of January. Mm-hmm. Good. That is great. Well, that's a that that's really really a, a, a tribute to the to the ability of the, of the blind person if if they you know work hard at it. I mean, you just your your training started. What was that April eighteen last year? Eight, yeah, April eighteenth. Right. when I started training. Right. That was training, and so you go from training, uh, you go from three, four months before that, December of the previous year, mm-hmm. um, through the training, and then um, not less than a year later, about 10 months later, here you are um, getting uh, the third, being third highest out of the 350 employees in the Jeffersonville um, Census Bureau, and the next month tied for fifth across the three installations in the throughout the country. So that's really great. And Cecil, I want to congratulate you for doing that. It's, it's, it does really um, indicate that when when you really really decide, um, I think that you're going to to work and work hard, especially at some of these kinds of things. I mean. Um, I, I, we can we can compete, given uh, not only given the the tools, but y- you can have the tool, you can have the jaws, you can have the braille display, you can have the computer, but there also has to be the attitude, and, sure. and, 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 and you I, have to I, want to to get that. You have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing every day. Sure, and I and I teach my supervisor and some of my coworkers. Oh, it's the training I got, or it's my supervisor that motivates me and it and and we're all just joking with each other but they always come back to the same thing you just said it's a strong work ethic that got me where i'm at right right you know, it took people to train me but once i got over there it was my work ethic that got me the rest of the way there well that's right and and that's a lot of things that's like um getting the absolute most you can out of every hour on the job showing up at the job on time Leaving, not leaving the job early, not taking off excessively, working when the work is available. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into the work ethic, and um, I think, it, it, but I think it all boils down to how well do we want to do. And sometimes, even if you do all of these things, things might there will be months when it won't be the best. You know, yeah, this, sometimes it just happens. Yeah, but you know, my 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 drive from I don't. I've never, and people who know me, I've never wanted to be the best at something. I just want to be the best I can be. And if war, awards or financial um, rewards or plaques or something of that nature come my way, it's not because I went looking for them. What I did brought that award to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really Really super, and want to congratulate you, and thank you for being on Soundprints with us today. Thank you. Page three. I'm talking with Patty Cox. Patty, a lot of you know Patty as um, being the uh, the person who provides lots of good food at GLCB roundabouts, and um, Patty's been president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. She was the first president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. She's been on the KCB board, but tonight she has on a different hat. Um, she is a member of the 
Council of Citizens with Low Vision International Board of Directors was elected this past summer in Minneapolis, and we're going to talk about CCLVI a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a new initiative that Patty is heading up here in Kentucky. So welcome, Patty. We're glad to have you. Hello. Patty, let's talk first about CCLVI and exactly what that is as a special interest affiliate of ACB. Um, CCLVI is the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, and it's a group of people who are all with low vision. They're not blind, and that's what makes this group unique. It's anyone who has vision up to, um, you know, a sighted person, anyone with low vision. Um we also have blind and sighted members, but um, the the biggest portion of it is low vision. Yeah, the, so the emphasis is on people who have some useful vision. It can be a little or a lot. Um, so yes. that would also cover a, a wide range of ages, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so sometimes people think that a group like CCLVI might only be of interest to people who are losing their vision in later life, but that's not the the age is not the focus of the organization. It's the fact that the person has low vision. So some of the things that CCLVI talks about would be what things like contrast, um, contrast, enlargement how things are laid out in different publications. You know, if, if you go to a restaurant and there could be a Braille menu, a lot of times they don't make it in large print. Oh, so that's true. That is something, you know, that's part of the advocacy. So it, it, many different things. It's the, in the environment in general as it relates to people with, um, with, with low vision. I right. would imagine that one of the things that, uh, just thinking about the convention, that would definitely be of interest to people with low vision would be where the steps, if there's steps in the in the hotel, they have, um, we try to get the hotel to put strips, colored strips along the edges. Correct. Uh, Correct, yeah, that because when you're coming up to the steps, usually they put bright yellow or bright green strips of, tape mm -hmm. on the edge of the steps so that um, people with low vision can see the steps um, each step better. Yeah, because sometimes people who are visually impaired have a problem with seeing uh, steps down and might have a problem with depth, depth perception. So, yes. yeah. And on a lot of the steps, either they're the same, all of it's the same color or they have a, like, um, kind of a silverish gray. Mm -hmm. Um, aluminum strip on it mm -hmm. um, that really does not stand out um, for those with low vision to mm -hmm. to know the depth. Okay, so so CCLVI has been around for a long time. It was first chartered by ACB in the late 1970s, mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 as we said, people people from a, a wide range of 
um, age groups, wide um, variety of backgrounds, all walks of life belong to CCLVI, and it's uh, it has membership throughout the country. Now, let's talk about how this applies to Kentucky, because you are kind of heading up an initiative to um, to organize a chapter of CCLVI in in Kentucky, and so let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, how come we need such a thing? It, it's important for those with low vision to, one, recognize that they do have low vision, and it's important to have one because when you talk about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, that blind word is an intimidating to a lot of people who are losing their vision. They and say, with, they say I, I'm not blind, I just don't see so good, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. But this would, and, and as they lose their vision, and with macular degeneration and, and RP and other eye conditions, they go gradually. Mm-hmm. And so this would be a group that can help transition them into the blind world, but it would get their foot in the door. A lot of people um, I know that we hear from was, well, I said I, I went blind a couple of years ago, but, you know, or my mother went blind a couple of years ago because she had this problem, and we, we didn't know if there was anything out there for a person who was visually impaired, and they just sat there, and now they don't know what to do with them. That's right. So this is a way for people to you know, transition into that. Mm -hmm. So there will be a couple of different kinds of things that will be happening with this group. First of all, uh, it's going to be uh, open to people throughout the state. Right. So let's talk about how people throughout Kentucky will be able to participate in this group. You're going to be planning some conference calls, and tell us about those. There'll be business meetings, but they'll also be open to everyone, correct? Correct, and they're on the first Tuesday of each month at 8 o'clock on the conference line. All right, and the number on that conference line is 605-475-6006. When you dial that number, you are asked to enter a code, and the code is 294444. And everyone is invited to call in first Tuesday of the month, you said, at 8 o'clock. And, yes. And, and even though that's a business meeting, Patty, I would imagine that if someone called in from, uh, oh, let's say um, the Glasgow area, that if they had some questions, I'll bet that you all would be more than happy to help answer them, kind of act as a support call. Yes, that's, that's my idea is to have a they can listen to the board meeting, see what's going on, and um, and then we can have a, a time after the board meeting to talk to people if they want to ask questions, mm-hmm. um, to find out, you know, if there's somebody in their area that we know of mm-hmm. that can help them out. So it's it just we could do a little support after the meeting. Right. Okay. And And now in the Louisville area, we're going to be starting a support group here that will meet in person. And let's tell us about that. Every second Thursday of the month at United Crescent Hill Ministries, the address is 150 South State Street. We will be having a meeting from 1.30 to 
and it's a support group. Anybody's welcome to come. We will maybe have some speakers come in, talk about different devices that people could use, magnifiers, uh, maybe a handheld CCTV. We would also have other things that are large print. One thing that a lot of people don't have and they don't know is out there is a large print calendar. They want to write their what they're doing, their doctor's appointments down, and they can't see it, so this might be something. We'll show things like raised line paper, what to write with to help you. People might still be writing with a pen or a pencil, and they might need to go to a, a Sharpie or a 2020 pen. Mm-hmm. And what works for one person doesn't always work for everyone. Low vision is about as varied as there are a number of people who have low vision. So um, it's the kind of thing that each group, each support group session could be very, could be similar in many ways, but um, also it, it could be different because, as you said, we'll have different speakers, different presenters, topics. Um, sometimes it can even be something as simple as how do I make a phone call? I get a lot of calls on the Kentucky Council of the Blind line asking about telephones and how a person is going to remain connected. So um, there's a wide range of possibilities for things for this group. So this this group will not only be a chapter of CCLVI, but you're planning also for it to affiliate with the Kentucky Council of the Blind, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. And do you think that maybe uh, after it gets up and running that there may be support groups in other areas as well? Yes. There's quite a few people that are visually impaired in the western part of the state. Um, There's some in the central part of the state, Mm -hmm. some up in northern Kentucky and in Lexington. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this isn't, um, this is not designed to take the place of the regional chapters, but to kind of enhance what they are able to do and and to, to build uh, on that, maybe um, attract additional people that um, that currently maybe feel that they don't quite fit into that chapter um, that that currently exists. So, um, kind of a, a recruiting tool for the for the other chapters. And also with our affiliate groups, um, you know, as people lose their vision, they might need to be a part of the um, library users group. Mm-hmm. So, or um, eventually go to the guide dog users. So mm-hmm. it could benefit all of our chapters and affiliates. Right. Okay. So if people want more information on the the new group, um, they should contact the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598, 502-895-4598. And the email address is KCB, Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB at Kentucky, spelled out, a dash, and then acb.org kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Well, Patty, we thank you very much. We are looking forward to that February conference call, which will be the 7th at 8 o'clock, and then the first Low Vision Support Group meeting on the 9th at 1.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries. We wish the group all the best. Well, thank you. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis Database http colon slash slash l o u i s dot a p h dot org
locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 4. This is News Radio 840 WHAS. Your news now. A Louisville broadcast legend is gone. It's 5.30. I'm Ted Werbin. News Radio 840 WHAS. Our top story. This is Milton Metz saying thank you and good night, everybody. Louisville loses a broadcast legend with the death of Milton Metz, the longtime WHAS radio and TV personality. He was known as El Mezzo. Let's go now to uh, Mount Holly, North Carolina. Hello, Ron. Milton Metz began his career at WHAS radio in the 1940s. He hosted one of the longest-running call-in shows in the country. Among his guests, another Louisville great. You're listening to Juniper 52385. My name is Milton Metz, and our guest tonight is Cassius Clay, the fourth-ranked world heavyweight. A man can punch at me when my hands are down. I can raise my hands up in time to block him and hit him five times before he moves his head. Cassius Clay in 1962. The show was renamed Metz Here and ran until Milton's retirement in 1993. Milton Metz was 95 years old. Paul Miles, News Radio 840, WHAS. Had a good life with uh, WHS radio and TV and the uh, memories are a thing that keep me going make me feel very good and I have friends like the crusade for children for 63 years nobody could have a better gift than that and that really really touches me in my heart this year's WHS crusade for children are your hosts Wayne Perkey from 84 WHS and Kentuckiana's Second Crusade, the First Lady of Country Music, Tammy Wynette. Total is $19,000 this year. That's great, Bob. Thank you. And here's the check for it, a nice big one. Greater Louisville Bowling Council, $19,000. Kentuckiana Area Bowlers. That's great. Thank you very much. Skip, that's a great legacy you left here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good to have you. The amount of the employee contribution is $123,350. I mean, $123, Holy smoke! $123,350. And it's a big increase since last year. It's a 24% increase. A 24% increase. Thank you. And now, as we say tonight, we have a brand new tote board total. It's going up. $82. $300,000 more than we went off the air with a year ago. 
This is Milton Metz. If you've listened to me on the radio over the years, you'll know what to expect from me, that I don't make unbelievable claims or tell tall stories. That's why it's a pleasure to tell you about a group of people who've been operating their business with a great deal of integrity. They do what they say they'll do. I think you'll be pleased with the service. And they have friends like the Crusade for Children for 63 years. Nobody could have a better gift than that. And that really, really touches me in my heart. The voice of our friend Milton Metz, who was silenced last night. Milton passed away at the age of 95. And you've heard so many tributes, and I talked about it earlier in the show, about what a great broadcaster Milton was and how versatile he was and all the things he could do, his flawless work over his many, many years at WHAS, his 34 years as a talk show host at WHAS Radio. One of the things I remember most about Milton was the love that he and his wife Mimi shared. The story that so many people tell, it always makes me smile when I think about it. Sometimes when you're a talk show host, the phones don't ring quite like you might like them to. And, you know, there are slow times, and Milton had a, had a thing with his producer. He would hold up his hand, twist his wedding ring. Producer on the other side of the glass would see that. Call Mimi. In some cases, tell her what the topic was. And Mimi would come on the air and be a great caller, speak intelligently to whatever the topic was. She was always looking out for him. And he was always looking out for her. He, he was, was always uh, encouraging to me in terms of my career. And I will, I will never forget his, his encouragement and his support. And we will never forget El Mezzo and the, the um, impact that he made on this radio station and this community. It's Joe Elliott, Kentucky and his morning news in here for Tony on News Radio 840 WHAS. This is Milton Matt saying thank you and good night, everybody. Page 5. The Sound Prince Calendar. January 25, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its January Peer Support Group meeting from 12 to 2 at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. RSVP by calling 859-259-1834. January 27, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its last roundabout of the month. 3.30 to 5 p.m. will be Braille, Technology, and Genealogy. Discussion time at 5. Dinner at 6. Bargain table, 6.45. Music, cards, and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street in Louisville. Sign up at 502-895-4598. The February calendar includes the following. February 1 is the KCBPR Membership Committee meeting on the conference line at 8 p.m. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On February 2, the American Council of Blind Lions holds its monthly conference call meeting for lions across the country. Share ideas and ways to be involved in your local clubs at 9 p.m. The number is 712-432-3900, and the code is 796096. On February 3, the GLCB Roundabout is from 3.30 to 10, and will include the usual schedule at United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street in Louisville. Call KCB at 502-895-4598 to register. On February 5, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Committee meetings will take place 
Advocacy at 7 p.m. Eastern, Education and Technology at 8, and Activities at 9. The phone number is 605-475-6006, and the code is 294444. On February 7, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its business meeting by conference call at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The number is 605-475-6006, and the code is 294444. On February 9, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its first vision support group from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. Also on February 9, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its monthly meeting at 7 p.m. by conference call. The number is 605 605- Four seven five forty seven hundred, and the code is one five five six one nine. For more information about the Northern Kentucky Council, contact Jerry Slusher at eight five nine seven eight one seven three six nine. On February ten, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its roundabout. Braille technology and genealogy from three thirty to five. Discussion time at five o'clock. Dinner at 6, bargain table at 6.45, and bingo and cards from 7 to 10 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 502-895-4598 to register. On February 11, the American Printing House for the Blind invites you to crafting tactile valentines and gifts at 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Join Indiana artist Peggy Mastropolo and learn how to use unique tools and techniques to craft cards and gifts for your valentine from tactile materials at the American Printing House for the Blind on Frankfurt Avenue. This is free to the public, but space is limited. It's appropriate for children and adults ages 6 and up. Call 502-899-2213 for more information. On February 11, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On February 12, KCB Next Generation, the chapter for everyone 40 and under, will have its conference call meeting for the month at 8 p.m. on the same conference line. 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On February 12, ACB Families will have a business meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The conference call number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. February 13 is the KSB Advisory Board meeting at 11.30 a.m., at the Kentucky School for the Blind. Contact KSB at 502-897-1583 for more information. On February 14, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its monthly meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270 684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170.
February 16 is the Kentucky Regional Braille Challenge, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This is regional competition at the Kentucky School for the Blind for students who are Braille readers throughout the state of Kentucky. Students competing on grade level have a chance to win a trip to the National Braille Challenge in Los Angeles, California in June. For more information, contact KSB at 502-897-1583. On February 17, GLCB will have its roundabout and quarterly meeting. Education, Technology, and Genealogy from 3.30 until 4.45. Bargain Table, 4.45. Speaker, Program, Dinner, and Business Meeting, 5.15 to 8.30. $5 per person, United Crescent Hill Ministries, Call KCB at 502-895-4598 to register. On February 19, KCB Next Generation invites everyone to a brunch at the North End Cafe on Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville from 12.30 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 502-750-1774 to sign up. On February 19, the KSB Alumni Association will hold its monthly board meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, code 294444. And on February 20, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting at 7.30 p.m. by conference call on the same line, 605-475-6006, code 294444. February 22, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its peer support group meeting, 12 to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call BCB at 859-259-1834. On February 24, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its last roundabout for the month, Education, Technology, and Genealogy from 3.30 to 5, Discussion at 5 o'clock, Dinner at 6, Games and Crafts from 7 to 10, at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 502-895-4598 to register. February 25 to 28 is the 2017 ACB Mid-Year Meeting and Legislative Seminar in Alexandria, Virginia. Call the ACB National Office at 202-467-5081 or 800-424-8666 for details. And on February 27, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have its next membership conference call at 7 p.m., 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.